I'm Amanda Olberg, Managing Editor of Education Next. We invite you to join this week's Education Next podcast, available online Wednesday morning each week at educationnext.org. It's now been almost 25 years since the first charter schools opened their doors in Minnesota in the early 1990s. We now have 6,440 charter schools open nationwide, serving more than 2.5 million students. But just how innovative has the, has the charter school model been? Uh, I'm Marty West, and this is the Education Next podcast. Uh, I'm joined today by Deborah McGriff. She's managing partner at New Schools Venture Fund. Formerly, she was the superintendent of Detroit Public Schools and a longtime teacher and administrator in New York City Public Schools. And I can't think of anyone uh, better positioned to help us take stock of the charter school movement uh, as we head into 2016. Deborah, thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you, Marty, for inviting me. I'm looking forward to our conversation. So you've been putting a lot of thought into the question of charter schools and innovation recently. Tell me, you know, just how innovative have charter schools been? If you ask um, the National Alliance for Public Charter Schools, uh, Nina Reese, um, she will identify a number of ways in which charter schools have been innovative over time, whether uh, it's been extending the school day, helping to close the gap between low-income students and others, and many are performing as well as uh, the state, um, in, as the affluent students in their states. Uh, but we've all come to realize uh, that with higher standards around college and career readiness, uh, that the percentage of our young folks who would have to score at bands are not going to get there as, at the rate that we need them to progress unless we continue to examine uh, new school models uh, beyond the models that we're currently implementing. So new school models, what do you, what do you mean by that? Uh, well, there are several uh, interesting groups working on this, and uh, a paper that speaks extensively about uh, how new models can be uh, defined uh, and implemented is a dissatisfied yet optimistic moving faster toward new school models. And I have to admit that uh, the CEO of New Schools Venture Fund is one of the major authors uh, of that paper. Stacy Childress, um, that is, right? Yes, yes, Stacy Childress, I should say her name. Uh, and um, in that paper, um, the authors talk very specifically about uh, rethinking time and space, leveraging uh, technology, uh, re- uh, reimagining the role of educators working deeply uh, with families and students. Uh, there's always conversation about self-directed learners, student being student-centered, uh, and personalized learning. And I think one of the most important ideas is that while we uh, understand that content is important, academic skill, academic performance uh, is valued, at the same time we need an expanded definition of student success, and we need to n- identify and be able to measure the skills, habits, and mindsets that are needed for young people uh, to be successful, not only in school, but in career and in life. Yeah, so let's take up that theme. I think that's uh, maybe the most striking aspect of the paper to me, this idea of expanding the definition of student success. Uh, 
you know, one of the things you might say about the charter movement that it's uh, been innovative in a variety of ways uh, that, you know, you suggested someone like Nina Reese would identify uh, that have made it uh, in some places uh, an effective means of improving students' success as we've traditionally measured it, but you haven't seen as much in the way of innovating towards alternative definitions of success. So, uh, you know, how do you think charter schools could contribute in that area? Oh, I think so. several charter schools have started to do work uh, in that area. They've been looking at growth mindsets, uh, grit, and a number of other factors. Uh, they are working with organizations that are developing uh, assessments to measure um, these habits and traits, and they're, they're also uh, implementing professional development that will help teachers uh, begin to develop and foster those skills in themselves as well as in students. Uh, but as we go forward, um, w uh, we need to do more in this area. We need better assessments, and we need uh, better training. So are you calling for less attention to traditional success metrics like test scores? Have we been sort of too test-focused when we think about accountability for charter schools, both in the funding community and uh, policymakers? No, I, don't, I think we're talking more about what's the balance between the assessments uh, around the academic subjects. We're also uh, being very clear that what we need to assess is much broader than uh, our traditional assessment of only reading and mathematics. Um, and so, no, I wanted, we want to be perfectly clear that there's a set of academic knowledge content that young people will need to be successful. Uh, but they will also need a, a, a set of skills, habits, and mindsets that uh, complement uh, that content work. And we are also very focused on how do we uh, develop internal motivation for young people. So it's a both ands, not a, it's a both uh, and. either or. Um, no. And I mean, another main theme of uh, this paper you mentioned, but also, uh, you know, of your own work for a number of years now. I'm thinking of your 2011 article in Education Next, Future Schools, you know, has been the role of, of technology. So, you know, how central is technology to what you're calling the emergence of new school models? And what forms of technology are you most excited about? I think that how technology will be used will vary based on the innovative uh, design. So we're not uh, at new schools uh, promoting a single approach to technology. We're definitely not uh, supporting, we don't think that it's a replacement for uh, innovative teachers. Uh, in our tools and services um, work, uh, we decided initially to focus on tools and services that support uh, science, um, because that was an area where teachers said they needed uh, the most support. So that would be one example of where we would think technology could be um, uh, important. But also there are going to be uh, school models that are developing platforms and assessments to complement their model. And maybe many of them will be using technology in unique ways. Now, uh, the title of this paper is, is Dissatisfied uh, But Optimistic. What's the basis for optimism? What has you all excited at New Schools Venture Fund? Um, I will talk about why I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited, one, because the, the models that we've been looking at and that have been studied 
accelerate the performance of young people, and they create the, the skills that young people need for the 21st century problem-solving group, being able uh, to work in teams to be able to think critically. Um, also, we're excited because more and more of the charters realize that young people uh, also need to have opportunities uh, to uh, to work in diverse uh, schools, and some charters are organizing the National Coalition mm-hmm. of Diverse Charter Schools are or have have organized to intentionally make those opportunities uh, more available to uh, young people. Um, the the new models that are um, launching are also committed to uh, finding early adopters and and helping and sharing what they're learning um, with others in the community who want to also uh, facilitate and and spread new models. Um, We also uh, know that we talk a lot about the importance of uh, talent and human capital in this work, and um, we are very excited about the groups of organizations who have heard the cries around done to us, not with us, for us, not by us, and are committing to closing uh, the demographic gap between the students uh, that they serve and the leaders of their organizations. Why is that so important to you as an educator, Deborah? Um, we we believe, one, that uh, that um, having a diversity of voices in the lead, at the leadership role, C-level, CEO, and board level, uh, enhances innovation, which is one of the which is our topic for today. Uh, it identifies uh, a more creative approach to problem solving. Uh, we get more relevant ideas, um, and uh, it builds a more uh, effective and reflective organization. Excellent. And and I mean, what a, what have been the big barriers to progress in that area in your mind? Um, when I think in the past in the charter school. Uh, space and not with everybody because there are a number of charter uh, schools or charter organizations that have made community engagement, parent empowerment, community leadership pillars in their uh, designs. Rocketship is an example. Success Charter Network is another example. Uh, they're not the only ones, but more and more uh, the people in a community need to be a part of their own liberation. And as and if the innovation and change is going to be sustained, uh, that is more likely when you have intimately involved uh, the community that you're serving. Um, and, and more the research is, is supporting that, communities are demanding that, and more and more as people approach their advocacy strategy, the advocacy strategy has to, impro- has to include uh, the politics, the policy, and grassroots. Excellent. So uh, I guess I want to close the interview by asking you to step back. Look, you've watched education reform in the United States for you know many years from a number of different perspectives as a teacher and administrator, as a district superintendent, as someone in the for-profit education space, and you know now as a uh, philanthropist. Where are we headed? And uh, you know, maybe with the charter sector specifically, but uh, also with school reform more broadly. Uh, where are we headed in the next decade and beyond? In the next decade and beyond, I'm 
hoping that we're going to see the field of innovative school models grow uh, beyond uh, where we are today. Uh, we're going to see a level of student performance uh, uh, and success that's extremely higher than the success of uh, specific, uh, especially low-income and, and working-class students. I think we're going to have more um, leaders for equity uh, in the movement, and we're going to be taking a very serious look at ensuring that education is really eliminating race and class distinctions and not uh, deepening and solidifying them. You know, some would hear you uh, uh, that uh, compelling vision and say, yeah, that sounds compelling, but I think we're asking schools to do too much. What's your reaction to that type of, uh, I guess, criticism it might be? Um, we, at New Schools, one of uh, the ventures in my portfolio is um, called FREE, the Fellowship for Race and Equity in Education. And one of the things that Michelle Molotov talks about is uh, organizing a community of resistance uh, to individual institutional and structural barriers that sustain inequity. And I think that, that what the innovative new school models are trying to do and what they want to accomplish, they, it may not be accomplished in the next five to ten years, but the challenge and problem that they're going to take on is how do you make this a reality, that it is unacceptable to have a design that really isn't working for a large percentage of the students. And so that's the goal. And, and we welcome working with anybody who's going to help us find the solution to this challenge. We're just not accepting it as this is the way it has to be. We need a few other crazy people to work <laughs> with us on turning this around. <laughs> but we're not willing to accept something that uh, predictably fails so many students that, that uh, motivates the effort to design new models going forward. Well, Deborah, uh, thank you for sharing some of your time with us today. I hope you're uh, right about where we're headed in the future, and uh, good luck with your work to help us get there. Yeah, and I think we will because when we started with a number of the No Excuses schools, uh, many people said it was impossible to close the gap between uh, low-income students and the affluent, and many CMOs have been able to do that. But the reality is that they know that that's not enough and that we need to do much more, and many of the people who have successful models like Summit, like Achievement First, are redesigning new school models to be able to accomplish more more students. Well, uh, let's hope you're right. And uh, again, thank you for being with us today. And thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you for tuning in to Education Next's weekly podcast released every Wednesday morning. For more on education reform, visit us online, educationnext.org.